Hey everybody, Danny here from Punk Rock Business School. Welcome back to another episode. In today's episode, I am gonna speak with Alex Boguski from Batshit Crazy Investments. That's right, you heard that name correctly. Alex has a really deep background in advertising. He's a member of the American Advertising Hall of Fame. He has worked with some little companies you may have heard of, such as Coca-Cola, Microsoft, Kraft, really great background in the advertising world. And now he runs a venture capital company, Batshit Crazy Investments. He invests in some really cool companies, some cool things that I really like. Cake Electric Motorcycles, a killer underwear company, all kinds of other really unique products. He's in the space industry. We're gonna talk about some of those companies, why he selects those companies. And Alex is also a YouTuber keeping in line with my run of interviewing some of my favorite YouTubers. And yes, you guessed it. His YouTube channel is all about mountain bikes, but we're not going to talk about mountain bikes only maybe a tiny little bit, but we're going to talk about how businesses can use YouTube and what he's doing with it. So that's it. Let's get into this episode with Alex. Boguski from Batshit Crazy. Thanks so much for taking some time to be on the show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I, you know, it's funny how I found you. Well, you know, in the intro, I kind of talked a little bit about your background and your rise through the advertising world. You're an inductee into the American Advertising Hall of Fame, which I didn't even know was a thing. Who would uh, know? Yeah, where is it? How do how do I stay away? <laughs> You've got a much more extensive Wikipedia than I do. Mine just says Danny's a drummer, average player in a band, and that's it. It's like two lines long. Yeah, but you're in a band. That's a lot cooler than advertising. <laughs> you know, as you were exiting or or starting to move out of, you know, the advertising and marketing firm, how did you get started in the uh, you know venture capital world? I the first thing that I ever got involved with was Lyft, which is the rideshare company. And they were oh, okay. called Zimride. And I was going around giving uh, talks, like the speaking circuit. <clears throat> and I was talking about Megatrends. And uh, one of the companies that I talked about within Megatrends was Zimride. And someone there saw, saw it online, one of the talks, called me up and said, hey, would you like to be an advisor? I'd never been an advisor. I didn't really know what it meant. Um, and they said, well, we're putting together an advisory board. We think, you know, we'd love to have you on. So I said, yes, I went out there and the first meeting, there were five people total in the company. I spent maybe half the time advising on marketing and half the time putting together an Ikea table, like literally under <laughs> the table, you know, while someone else is holding another bolt. And so that was my that was my introduction to to advising and then just even startups. Right. So yeah. through that, I started doing some angel investing in early stage startups, got to the point where there was just it was a little bit of a headache to try to keep track of them. 
honestly. And then some of them did well enough that friends would say, well, why don't you do a fund? And I, you know, I'm a creative guy. I'm not, um, I'm not a fund guy. I'm not a classically trained fund guy, but I started yeah. fun guy. I started looking, reminds me of that old joke. I'm not going to tell it, um, about <laughs> mushrooms, the mushroom that walks into a bar. That's it. That's as far as I'm going. So I, I started looking around for a friend or somebody who, who did this. And I interviewed a guy who was running another fund. He said, I can't do it, but my best friend might be perfect. He uh, is at Foundry Group. The biggest fund in Boulder, for sure. It's about a $2 billion venture fund. Um, Brad Feld runs it, who is a super class act in that world. And, and this guy, under the tutelage of Brad for several years, had learned, I think, you know, how to do it right. We met six minutes into it. We both said, let's do this. Um, a few coffees into that, I said, man, early stage stuff is so crazy. I really want to maybe just call the fund crazy. You know, and he's like, I've always wanted a fund called batshit crazy. <laughs> I said, it is unlikely that two gentlemen will meet and both will want to name it crazy again. So that's how the name started. And it's, it, it's, uh, the name is just because it is very, very risky that early. Um, and we wanted everybody to know, we thought that a lot of conservative people might have problems with it, but everybody wants the t-shirt. Everybody wants the hat. Um, yeah. And all the companies were like, you could just put BCV, but they all want to put the full name. It's funny. You have um, a really wide array of companies in the portfolio. I was going, you know, going through your website and, you know, you have a popcorn pump uh, company. Sunday lawn care, cake, electric dirt bikes, which I totally want one of those. Yeah, those are cool. Um, <laughs> that's right up my alley yeah you know you're wearing a hat from liquid death um the water company which sponsored my band's live stream a few months back awesome. so when you and i first connected we had that connection going um fi dog collar mm -hmm. which my brother really really needs spark grills um shinesty which is like an underwear brand i'm wearing a pair right now that's probably people don't really want to know that yeah uh, Rip Row, a fitness, you know, uh, item. Yep. And then, you know, also you're in some weird gaming stuff, radar stock trading, Branzuka marketing, and then you go all the way into like space technology. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool group of companies. And, you know, I couldn't put my finger on it or put a name to it, but there definitely seems to be kind of like this running theme or connection. Could you, could you, <laughs> I, I, my partner and I would be very curious. I want to hear what that theme or connection is, but, uh, we, we thought we would have some emphasis and, and, and I think we have a grand total of one marketing company that we're interested in. So right. just because of my background and I, and we thought potentially deal flow might be heavier from there, the, the, Really, with us, we didn't want a vertical thesis. We we uh, like to be early stage. We like to be very organic in the way that we do things. But it's really if it's interesting to us personally. If it looks like it's going to make a boatload of money, guaranteed, but it's boring, 
we don't even talk about it. We just say, that's boring. I just don't care. I just can't gin up the care. Um, and so without, so that's really, that's really all we go by, but I'm very curious what you see as, because I don't, I mean, like I said, we're in space, we're in, we're in crypto, we're in, uh, uh, quantum encryption, and then we're in exercise companies and popcorn makers. So. Right. Well, you know, reading through, I, I felt, you know, when I was reading through your background and your history, you know, the word rebel got used quite often. Mm. And, and I kind of wrote that down that when I look at the companies, to me, they look bold. Some of them or a lot of them really kind of are purpose driven mm -hmm. to a certain extent and, and kind of has that rebel, you know, vibe to it. I mean, looking at, you know, that's probably a little bit true. Bikes, that's yeah, that's you know, probably a little bit true. I mean, electric dirt bikes, exciting and interesting, but I would think if I were an investor, I would also be, you know, concerned you know how easy is it to get that return on investment with some of those types of companies or mm -hmm. the space technology that could be a long game you know so that was kind of the running theme that popped yeah. up with me and, and definitely nothing boring that's yeah. for sure yeah yeah to us it's not boring but sometimes it's very very heavy you know like the the some of the stuff like the the uh the quantum encryption i it's i i could barely explain it to you you know, and if I did, I think I would be half wrong about it. Um, but I love that sort of challenge when I'm trying to understand something. And, and that company was exciting because quantum physics is m mostly theoretical, right? And here was a practical application that they were already selling and booking business yeah. against. Like, even though we don't know why it works, it does work. Sure. And and we right. knew you we could and and they do spin two particles, and if those particles are are being being uh, uh, observed by too many parties, those particles will change their access. The experiment will change, and thus we'll know that that is not a secure line. Like what? So sci-fi. That's going all. I'm in, and it's what's even crazier is that. I mean, that's going back. That, that theoretical physics that is old it's old that it, yeah concept was you know we're that's einstein era physics and we're still going yeah that totally works but when it when you yeah, when you actually yeah when it's not when it the theory's old or fairly old yeah um but then to to make practical applications of it that was really i don't know that gets me excited that's why i get excited uh, about and so it really doesn't matter why I get excited. I can get excited about popcorn in the same way I can get excited about water. Um, but you have to get excited. And not everybody's like that, and that's fine. I, I, I don't like yeah. to be a, a, a dispassionate person. Um, I, I, I do like making money. I've found that you know I can authentically say that. Um, <laughs> But but I've never I, I don't think I, I don't think I enjoy being emotionally uh, disconnected from it, which can be a problem. It could you know, it can lead you into some some some. Years too. Yeah, I think I mean, certainly from my experience, you know, I can't was doing music, went into corporate retail. I worked for Guitar Center for almost 20 years, you know, big box retail and then went back into music and started my own small business and along the way you know i had 
connected with some other people that had other small businesses that you know we talked about being involved and one of the things that i i finally kind of realized i was like you know i don't love that if i don't love that idea i'm not going to want to put that time and Mm -hmm. effort and work in you got i think especially in a small business environment you got to really love it to be and have that passion um you know a lot of the listeners you know to this show are small business owners so i wanted to go a little bit deeper into you know what do you initially look for when you're looking at these companies you know after you get past kind of the excitement or the bold idea of it that seems interesting what are you looking for i mean everyone will counsel you that you should be looking at the founder not the idea and and so uh it's easier if you've got a founder who's already done something except in the case of cake um the the founder stefan already did a company called poc pock you'd know those guys from the protection gear yeah okay so so he's you know he's he's done this at least two times more realistically three and um and so it is a tough category but when i listened to to his plans for it not only did i want the item partially much because of his expertise in design, not a designer, but an expert in design, he made this incredible looking dirt bike. And you may hate it, but and you may love it, but I don't care really because it's like it's different and that's hard to do. So uh, and then and then I looked at how other people who are not into dirt bikes reacted to it and and their reaction was all positive. And that's much more important because the dirt bike audience is not big enough, right? But the electric bike audience could be humongous. So you look at the founder, my partner likes to say, because this is always the question, the idea or the founder, you, a great founder is not going to come up with a terrible idea. So it's difficult to uncouple those things. The two are gotcha. But you, but even if the idea is wonderful, you know, if you've been around startups long enough, and if, if you look at Lyft and where it started and where it ended, or really anything, it generally, actually liquid death is, is almost identical to the start. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But generally there's a huge migration be- because you think you know what you're doing, but you don't, you know, you have to get into the marketplace and learn. And so there's a, there's a change and a great entrepreneur can pull that off. When it's someone like liquid death, that's Mike Cesario. He's first time entrepreneur uh been a creative director kind of comes out of my game I'll tell you that is a huge ding against him i don't i'm not i'm not bullish on people that come out of advertising especially if they go into startups specifically technology because they use a waterfall um development approach versus a lean agile probably too much to get into there but i'm not a, i'm not a fan <laughs> of marketing people because they over they put too Right. Um, I think in the case of of water, it kind of works. Right. Because there isn't that much else there. The thing that I I just want to say, the thing about Mike that you don't realize when you first come to the brand is he's hitting it at every level. This is a guy passionate about the the sports that he grew up in skating um, predominantly. But those sorts of extreme sports and how these bad for you um, drinks, energy drinks, have dominated those sports. 
And so he wanted, he's, it was almost just a thesis, like, could you ever make a water that was as cool as those energy drinks? So that's level one, like that's mission, gotcha. mission one. Then on top of that, hey, plastic sucks. It's destroying the environment. Aluminum gets recycled already at a 70% rate. Let's do aluminum cans. Boom, another mission on top of that, all right? And, and, uh, and then hydration matters, for, you know, murder your thirst. I mean, we're three levels of mission, but what you get is you just get liquid death and a skull on the can, and you can go in from that, from, from there. But I don't think that an entrepreneur could change the world unless he had all those missions baked into what he was doing. So I look for, I look for that, that kind of, that kind of passion and that, which is, which is cliche. Well, I think the thing that's, um... that's common, that's common with all, all entrepreneurs, whether you're raising money and you're at that sort of path or whether you're bootstrapping it, um, that we look for is we, we really push hard to try to find, um, that sort of arrogance, um, and inflexibility and uncoachability. And we'll do things in interviews to, to press buttons uh, and see how easy it is to set somebody off. And if it's easy, we're out. It is, it is an instant sign. And it is a really good one for us because we flush out people who, they, as you know, you are going to come up against obstacle after obstacle. And, and you're not going to expect most of them. And many of them are going to ask you to re-examine the whole the the core of why you did this or what you did and and who you are and just specifically your ego man if your ego can't get out of the way you're just gonna get hammered in in business when you guys go into an investment you know i noticed you know some of the companies in the portfolio you know are online they're doing business others are totally you know in that infant stage haven't sold a thing yet how do you, you know, kind of balance those things when you're when you're looking at a company? Well, um, it's if if you're there's there's just different runway for different businesses. I, I don't think that we again, we don't look for, you know, we're not. Hey, we do early stage SaaS or anything like that. We don't have a vertical like that. Um, so uh, I think the only the only way it would affect our decision making would be when there's long runway and you've got to build a lot before you ever sell anything. So a service industry is great because you sell on day one, right? Um, but it also sucks because it's not as scalable. And, right. and when you make something, there's a lot of runway and it takes a lot more capital, but in the end, there's this potential windfall. I think that, that all we look at is can that person get there? will they be able to raise enough along the way or bootstrap enough along the way to get to that inflection point where you're not investing constantly in the business and the business starts to create revenue but uh don't have a preference probably probably we skew more towards you got to make something i don't think we do i don't think we really do any service i come out of the service industry advertising right and you think it stinks yeah. until you <laughs> spend a little time in other businesses and you realize, well, that was kind of cool how like on day one, because I've started a couple agencies with friends too and invested in, in small agencies and they're very inexpensive to get off the ground. You can, you can, yeah. any service industry is much cheaper to right. get going. On the other side of it, 
What kind of time frame do you look at to get return from a company? And is there kind of a benchmark in percentages that you want to make back on your investment and things like that? Well, I mean, in our fund, if we have one uh, billion dollar company, then that'll make the fund um, big time. So the percentage that I think people used to look for was about one in 10. I think it's probably not that high anymore. I think it's a little bit worse than that. Uh, our portfolio looks really good. I mean, we probably have a probably a solid handful of things that could be billion dollar companies trajectory and where their valuations are. So I would love it if it took three years. I would really, you know, love it if it took six months. I think that it's more in the five year range and and I'm comfortable with uh, just because of just because of how how I uh, how I am set financially, I don't really care. I and I also don't. I like it's weird. I like making money. I really think it's fun to invest. I don't need money. I don't need to do anything. Like I let's say that I had. I'm not a billionaire, you know. But let's say that I was tomorrow. I'm still not going to fly private. I'm still going to buy bikes and do BMX. Like I have cheap <laughs> peanut butter and jelly tastes. They're not going to sure. go anywhere. I've got plenty of houses and any place that I want them. I don't, it's so, so it's a little weird. I'm a little conflicted about it is what, what I'm saying. Like, why do I still yeah. like this sport? Even though I don't need this sport. Right. 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 right, right. But when I think about, well, when I think yeah, about almost managed. any investment, I really think about not even my, yeah, my grandkids might cash in on this one. Shifting gears a little bit with all these companies, you know, obviously a lot of them coming into it with you, they know, you know, Alex is this famed ad guy. How much marketing involvement are you, you know, doing for the companies you're investing in or not at all? Or Yeah, we do something a little bit unique in that um, probably half of them like come and, and want to get um, some some advisory help in those ways. And so um, what the way we do it is a little unique. Normally, if you were in a fund and you as a as a uh, uh, general partner were an advisor, those advisor shares would be separate and you would have those shares separate from the fund. So I would get shares in the company. We thought that was just a little wrong um so what we've done is the advisor shares go into the fund so all the lps will share in any advisory kick that we got because i spend time advising the companies uh it just seemed like that's the way it should be i guess you could argue either way um but that's that's what we do and um we usually it's different for everybody it usually normally you have these moments where they need a lot of help and it might be six months and it might be a year and then you've got very quiet moments where things are just chugging along so there's no set formula it's not like a call once a month it might be you know a call once a month for a period of time and you know the only thing i ask for is don't come to me um to just chat right i want people to come to me and i want you have three problems if you if it's only two that's fine i want it i want you have three problems and I want to spend an hour talking about those three problems. Um, and, uh, and so that's worked really well. I developed that when I was working with Lyft and, uh, and it worked great. 
you know, obviously we've been going through a crazy year. It's yeah. a tough time to be a small business owner. That that's for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, started with massive panic and then, you know, yeah. uh, a lot of us made dramatic pivots. I made a big pivot in our music school, totally online, mm -hmm. going to stay that way forever. Um, you know, once we got into that world, we realized, Hey, we can actually deliver a better service, yeah. a better product than the old way. Hmm. And then there's obviously the other side of it, which is lower overhead for us. No buildings, right. don't got to deal with all that stuff. Um, coming out of all this, you know, where, where do you, what are you seeing like trend wise in the marketing world right in now? In the marketing world. Where do you think it's going to go? Yeah. Advertising and marketing moving forward here this next year. You know, so. I got, this is a terrible answer. I, I don't really give a shit about marketing. <laughs> so I don't give a shit where it goes. I didn't give a shit when I was in it. I didn't give a shit when I was, uh, you know, doing well in it. I liked, okay. I liked the ability for me to use marketing to help businesses and yeah. the businesses that hired me, I got off on the idea that they could, they could hire more people and they could turn around their stock price. And you know, those things got me excited. And then the tool was marketing. So yeah. without the, without the need, I don't care about the tool. I'm not a, yeah. I'm not into that as a craft. So, um, don't really know. I would say, I would, I would say it's mostly with, with most businesses, it's been like, if I look at my, if I look at my portfolio outside of, well, no, I guess it would be also inside, um, batshit. So, but if I look at my publicly traded, um, portfolio, I tend to be very much in tech and very much, I try to, I'm long, I'm super long. I never time anything other than poorly. I, but I, but that's only a mistake. I do not time anything. Like I'm crazy long. I go into a company cause I believe in a company and then I won't sell until for some reason I don't believe in that company. Like that's so, but the companies that I like, they're about the future. And so COVID has been great for those companies because the future comes faster when there's a shock to the system, I think. And, and so I think, you know, the future of your business, it just came faster. That's where you were going anyway. Right. Yep. And, and a lot of people, <laughs> there's a, there's a book called anti-fragile that's about this, that if any, have you read it? I haven't. Fantastic read for anybody who, any of your listeners, um, I can't say the author's name, Tlaib, uh, Nicholas Tlaib. I'll, I'll yeah. look it up and put Nicholas, it in Nicholas Tlaib, Anti-Fragile. He wrote, I think he wrote Black Swan, um, but it's all about how systems who, when we protect a system from shock, like the banking system, it becomes more fragile because we are products of a natural system. We thrive when we when we are put into shock. We we also sometimes die, but natural systems they either perish or they become more robust. And so when we build systems, we're still technology is an offshoot of biology because we're biology. We create technology. Our technology in most ways will mirror what we know from biology. But when we protect our technology, whether it's the banking system or something else from shock, we actually make it more fragile. And and the the benefit, the awfulness about shocks is there are wars, people die, technological tragedies, 
this one is personally been really rough for a lot of people. I know you yourself got it, but what it will do to our systems and to making us more robust going forward, you can't, you really can't even overestimate it. It's going to be tremendous. And I think we're just starting to see the, the silver lining, if you want to call it, but it's bigger than a silver lining. It's the system needs a shock and no one could figure out how to protect us from the shock. And so it shocked our markets, it shocked our businesses, it shocked every individual on earth, and that is making us stronger. I did, um, I just released a, an episode uh, on my show where I kind of talked about what are things that I learned going, doing business during the pandemic. Yeah. And one of them was that it really kind of made me realize and take action on changing my business for the better mm -hmm. where I probably wouldn't have made any of those moves. Yeah. If I wasn't forced to, because we, you know, like you're saying, we got this shock and real quickly early on, we were like, okay, there's two ways to go. You can kind of curl up in a ball and just hope that everything's going to, you know, end soon, or we get some, you know, we get some PPP loan yeah. money to kind of get right. us through. And, you know, we did yeah. all that stuff to help us out. But very, within a couple months, we were like, okay, let's just make this huge change. Let's just go for it and try to come out on the other side of this thing in a better position. And so far we actually have, like, it's kind of crazy I, that our profit margin and our bottom line, we are making more money than pre pandemic. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of stories like that. And it's funny what you, I love what you said about curling up in a ball. Um, and that is a, uh, as a metaphor, but as a reality, right? If you fall, you curl up in a ball. It's a, it's, it's, we do protect ourselves. And, and this, this particular shock lasted so long that I had the same reaction. You know, at first it's like, I'm going to curl up in a ball. Like that's first thing to do, curl up in a ball. And it's, and it, I don't think it really matters whether you spent a little bit of time curled up in a ball because a lot of people did, but it lasted so long that eventually you had to emerge, you know, you uncurled. You looked around and you started changing things. I'm curious if you feel, you said that things are better, but I'm also curious, how do you feel as a, as a person and as a person who's making your way through the world and hoping that whatever you encounter, you can deal with? Like, do you feel more at risk or do you feel more resilient? Like, how do you feel? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, um, I think my natural personality is generally pretty optimistic all the time. And, you know, all, although just like everyone, I have issues and things I sure. worry about and, you know, all those kind of things, I'm always looking at the future. What can I do differently? What can I do better? Where do I want to be, you know, here or there? And one thing going through this, it made me realize what was important to me mm. and what I hadn't been doing that was important to me. And cycling was a huge element to that. I, you know, in my thirties, I raced bikes and I had kind of really been out of it forever. Yeah. And because all of a sudden I was just working from home every day, I was like, I'm just going to ride a bike every day. <laughs> right. And it totally rekindled this love. And I was like, why am I not out doing more of these things? that I know I'd love to do taking motorcycle trips or whatever it is. And, you know, it's easy to be in that trap of like, well, my, I'm really trying to grow the business or financially, it's not really a good time for me to take that risk or go buy this bike, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And, and 
this made me realize everything we like could just end in a yeah. moment. So you might as well get out there and just do everything yeah. and not worry so much. So yeah, overall, I feel really positive. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and I think you, and you should, because you really are more resilient than you were, right? You know, you've just reacted to a thing and you reacted in a way that was beneficial and you created more free time. Like there's all this, it, it, it went yeah. better all, all around. It's interesting what you said <laughs> about the, I had a really, basically my brother died in my arms um, a few years ago. And, um, and what you said about it could all go away, like it does go away. I, and that day he was, he was worried about, he had like hammer toe. I don't know what hammer toe is. He's like, I got to stop wearing flip flops. I'm getting hammer toe. And he was going on and on about hammer toe, like fuck hammer toe, you know, <laughs> pretty much nothing matters. Nothing matters. So make sure you're having a good time and, and spending time doing the things that you want to do. So that was pre COVID that experience with me and it, and, and it, it's, on effect where I just have, I, I just have had, I've never had much patience for doing anything I didn't want to do. I have to be frank about that. I've always been pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty much. I want to do what I want to do and I'll figure out a way to do it. But, but it's been even yeah. more stark and it sounds like that's what you're saying has happened with you too. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not selfish because a lot of it is like, I want to hang out with these people. These people matter right. more this Who's time. important to yeah. you. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I guess there was a little reset back in 2008 after the crash. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, down here in Orange County, there was just this crazy people were living way beyond their means through refunds yeah. and, and stuff like that. And I saw a lot of people kind of reset and go, what are, what are we thinking? Like, yeah. Why am I doing this? just to have this car right. or to live in this neighborhood or whatever it is and kind of just a different approach. And I'm kind of hoping that as we come out of this, maybe we'll have some different mentalities towards what we're doing with our time and who we're spending our time with and, and a little more positivity on, you know, in, in some way. I don't, I don't know what those will all be, but I'm hoping that there's a, a realization from people. Work is not going back it was you know i don't think i That's i don't i think it would be a very long time if we see offices the way that we saw offices uh, again the the remote thing is working and it's working for employers it's working for the economy and it's working for individuals so i think that a lot of that's going to stay the and that's all upside the what what i've seen for downside has been because of the disease boulder's one of the friendliest cities i've ever been in and it's it's sure. market 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 markedly less friendly. Um, mm -hmm. People seem to just say hi less. That you know you can't see faces and everything. I don't know whether yeah. that's going to go back or not. I hope so because it's it it uh, it's not it's not good. I mean, there's just uh, it, it, I, I, uh, that well, that part I breaks think, my heart right now. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be some changes that way. I mean. You know, we think about that in kind of what we do out on tour in the band. And obviously, you know, the music industry has been totally shut down. Yeah. You know, we were able to do one live stream, but you, you, you can't really do it the same way that you would, you know, when be touring in a different city every night for a month straight. You know, on the positive side, people are dying for live music. So I know that the band is going to have like a two year run mm -hmm. here. Whenever we can get back to playing shows, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. 
for a couple of years, people, the crowds are going to be crazy nuts because they're enjoying yeah. being out in that environment. But, you know, we used to do like meet and greets and a lot of that kind of stuff. And we've kind of all been like, I don't know if I want to go back to that. Not because of the people, but, you know, I even said, you know, I might wear a mask like more oh, when we're on tour yeah. because, you know, being on a tour bus in a band, you're it's impossible to not get deathly ill. Somebody in the band is always sick. It's just the way it is, you know, and I've played major concerts like running a fever and just you get off stage and you're like you're running to the bathroom yeah. and somehow your body gets you through the show. And I think there will be like some changes in that physical contact that people used to do that maybe they're that would be okay. You know, I, I don't I don't mind if people I, I don't mind the mask. I just want people to be yeah. friendly again. You know, yeah, uh, absolutely. the the I used to travel half my time when I was in advertising, literally, I would be on the road half the time. And I was sick, at least half the time. Just thing after another so i know exactly how, it's like maybe being a touring mus musician i was just on the road and and then i stopped doing that and and uh and and i've been healthier and since covid i haven't caught anything which is <laughs> thank amazing, goodness right? it's it, it's amazing uh and i yeah, wonder what's happening to all these other pathogens that are out there like yeah <laughs> like i'm not sure i i i'm with you it's, in Asia, they went through SARS and they've got through other epidemics and masks are a much bigger part of everyday life. Uh, the the mask there suggests that I may feel like I have something and I don't want to give right. it to you. So it's a it's a it's a generous act. Um, but I do. I, I, I my hope is when you go back out that there's nothing out there anymore. I discovered you through your YouTube channel. I, I've been talking <laughs> a lot about YouTube yeah. on you know, my show, yeah. I, I've been like obsessed with YouTube for the last year and I find so many great things on there and that's how I came across you. And so I think people who don't know you, who, you know, hear your background in marketing and your investment guy would find it strange that the way I found you is because you have a YouTube channel about bicycles. Yeah. Now, now my listeners do get sick of me talking about bicycles because yeah. most of them aren't cyclists, but I don't but we could talk about show. YouTube separate from cycling and we could talk about YouTube sure, as, sure. you know, through marketing as well, because it is quite fascinating. Yeah. One of the things that I felt connected a little bit to you was a, okay, here's other old guys mm -hmm. doing kid stuff. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I don't, it's not just me. I don't have to feel bad. <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing with YouTube? You know, you, clearly you're putting some effort into the channel. Like your videos aren't crappy. You're Thanks. doing production, you know, some level of production and yeah. stuff. What What are your thoughts there? Uh, well, when I left advertising, um, I always felt like I would leave advertising, by the way. I never thought I would do it my whole mm -hmm. life. That's just not my mentality with things. And so when I did leave, I did the investing thing. But sort of like, you know, we've been talking, I, I kept a toe in marketing. I did some agencies, uh, you know, I would advise friends, I would come in and consult maybe on a brand. And I just think it was a mistake, honestly, like the, I should have, I felt like having that, that, that thread, that connection was the only, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was my credentials. Credentials in this area, 
and I could move into these other areas if I brought credentials from that area. And I just think that I, I, sh I should have been much more confident and said, you know what, I'm going to build credentials in this new area now. And, and, and the bike channel is an experiment with that idea, really, which is I've been around bikes. I've had bike clients. I love bikes. They've saved my life on multiple occasions. I really want to give back to the bike. I think it's a miraculous machine, but I have no credentials in bike. And so can I just create bike credentials by starting this? But I do know a lot about it and I've been doing it in my, so, yeah. so the credentials are there. They're just not public. And, and so the, the knowing that I love investments like cake, um, I wouldn't mind doing more investments in and around bicycles, electric motorcycles, things like that. And creating more expertise in that area seemed like a fun sort of pivot. So that's where the channel came from. And I, I come from, we buy a hundred million dollars worth of television advertising. That's like what we did, you know? Right. right. And so, you know, it's like, kaboom, we're just going to hit you with stuff. YouTube's not that. I don't have any expertise in YouTube at all, or really any understanding as I got started. But uh, I, I'm like you, I am a huge fan of YouTube, specifically because I think that if you can, if you decide to put in the time as a small business owner, you can, you can have an incredible channel. And it isn't about the production. Um, 90% of what I do, I do on my phone. Um, the audio hopefully is decent. I sometimes try to upgrade it. You'll make those changes over time, right? right? But just jump in if you're interested. And, and the thing to remember about YouTube is it ain't about you. If you can remember that you're in service of other people, then man, it's going to be a great channel because who you are off, you know, who you authentically are and what you care about if you present that in a way and 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 use some sort of expertise that you've got to help other people, that's that's all a great channel really is. Um, so whatever niche you're in in business, you can you can find that. The first few videos you can't do that because you have no you have no subscribers oh, sure. Sure. and you have no followers. So the first I don't know maybe the first five ten maybe almost a shot in the dark, but and those are the least fun to make. You realize later they're the least fun. The most fun are someone's like, why don't you make a video about blah, blah? And you're like, you're a genius. <laughs> like, well, you know, why didn't I think of that? So that, that's been the process, just kind of figuring it out little by little. I, I did want to ask you before we wrap up here on, <clears throat> I don't know if it was your last video or somewhere near the end there. Uh, you guys are were, were giving away a bike frame or doing an auction, uh, something related to a pump track mm -hmm. that you were building in LA. Yeah. What, what's that project? So um, there are these, uh, for people who don't know what a pump track is, it's it's like a, a, a mountain bike uh, track meets, I don't know if you can hear my cat making a racket, mountain bike track okay. meets skate park. And there are these asphalt paths that you don't pedal, you pump through. And I built one, my wife and I donated one. They're made by a company called Bella Solutions out of Europe. And my wife and I um, donated a track out here in California or Colorado to uh, honor my friend who had passed. 
And through that, we got to know these companies. And somewhere along the line, we also uh, got to know the Grow Cycling Foundation. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, I actually know how it was. I just called, I, I like giving monies for building pump tracks at this point in my life. It, it, that's, it's just that simple. And the reason why is my best friend who I lost, we met through BMX. We met on a corner with our BMX bikes and we became friends for life. And I want that for other kids. And it isn't so simple today where you're just riding around the streets. And these pump tracks are amazing places where you can go from literally your first time on a bike and on the same track, you might, you might become a world champion. The discipline is that extensive. There's nothing like it, I don't think. So I really want to build these tracks. And, and, uh, and so um, I asked Vela Solutions, I'm like, who else, you know, who else needs money and wants to do that? And I got the name of uh, Grow Cycling in California, and they're putting their first track into Los Angeles. Yeah, that's Elliot Jackson. If you're into mountain biking, you know Elliot Jackson. Crew uh, um, Cycling is all about um, getting um, people of color into cycling, which is bizarrely not the case. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I think we understand why, but it's like, it's obnoxiously not the case. It's like, what the heck, right? And so uh, Elliot's working on this problem and, and the pump track uh, in LA is, is a big, or is the first step in a solution. Justin and Corey Williams, who are brothers uh, from South Central LA, have started, you know, they started a team a couple of years ago, which is called Legion Los Angeles. Mm. It's a road cycle okay, team. Know they have dominated the Criterium Racing U uh, in really? the United States. Justin Williams is the US champion. Um, That's cool. And just, yeah, and, and they're doing some really great things. That is part of their mission as well. You know, and they have a great story because it, you know, growing up in South Central, their dad was into cycling and, 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 you know, nobody was really into cycling then, not let alone, you know, kids growing up in that neighborhood and that environment. And their dad really got them involved in that. And so they're kind of doing the same thing. And along the way, they're trying to kind of bring a style and a coolness factor to cycling that hasn't been there. And, Great YouTube content for those guys. Huh. I got to look that up. Yeah. Maybe send me yeah, some links after the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really some, some great stuff. I'd like so. to see that. Well, Alex. Yeah. I, I really appreciate your time. Of course. Uh, it's really interesting to, to chat with you and uh, was just, um, you know, so happy that I found your channel, which is called joy of bike. So for those YouTubers out there, you can definitely um, check uh, Alex's channel out and, uh, you know, be sure to check out the portfolio and support some of those companies. Um, that would be awesome as well. And man, I look forward to uh, connecting with you in the future. Thanks, Danny. Let's ride sometime. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Alex. I find Alex to be a really inspiring person. He's really successful from a business standpoint, but also just seems like a really cool guy to hang out with. He's got a great perspective on a lot of things. Here's a couple takeaways from the episode that may have been a little bit subtle at certain times. So I, I wanted to kind of give you my takeaway of what I walked away from this episode with. So number one, I love what he said about the three levels of mission related to the company Liquid Death, because 
A lot of us are in a business or a service business where there really may not be that much of a difference between the actual product or the service we're offering. Liquid death is water. How much difference is there truly from one water company to the next when you're talking just about the water? But he had these three levels of mission and that gives that company an identity and a purpose and that shapes how they do their marketing and their strategic planning. So I think that's a really good uh, learning experience from this episode. Number two, I thought it was funny when Alex said he doesn't give a shit about marketing. And in my poor interview skills, I didn't dig a little bit deeper there like I should have. But as I thought about that later, it made sense to me because so much of so many of us as small business owners we get wrapped up in the tools that are related to marketing and i know you know i love the technology when there's some new cool software i can use or something on my website i love all that stuff and you know i don't think there's anything wrong with using some of those tools of course but really you know advertising and marketing it's about the messaging it's about the miss the mission it's about the copy whatever the tool is just is going to continually change over time so it doesn't really matter and lastly the other thing i really liked when we were talking about youtube was this idea of building credentials through a youtube channel so whatever the businesses that you have if you would like to expand or increase your presence and elevate your credentials, a YouTube channel is a great way to do it. All right, guys, make sure you check out that book that Alex mentioned, which is Anti-Fragile. I'll try to put a link to that uh, in the notes here. Other than that, I'll see you soon.